Well, hello and welcome back to the DC UK podcast. This is season six and it is episode three. And this is the show that brings you the latest news and views from the capital of the American soccer from this side of the pond. And as always, I'm your host, James Graham. What have we got coming up on today's show? Well, we've got the usual club news. We have the return of the TN Tactics, and this week we have Out of Roses podcast on the show. I spoke to them yesterday, so we'll be hearing from them a little bit later on. We have a look back at, obviously, this weekend's match, which was an absolute corker, and I can't wait to uh, talk to you guys about that, uh, about that match, really. And we'll also preview this weekend's game against Portland Timbers at the... Lovely kickoff time of 3.30 a.m. And then at the end of the show, be looking over your thoughts and questions from, from this last week. So if you've got any questions or thoughts that you want me to answer live on today's show, please do hit me up in the chat and I will answer them throughout the episode. But first, a little cheeky word from our sponsor. We are wild.com. If you're like me and want to do whatever it is you can to help the environment, there is one thing, and it will help you smell great too. Wild is the right choice to match all deodorants as it actually works. I've always struggled with deodorants, but this one has left me feeling fresh under the pits and smelling good. The case is a fully sustainable design made out of aluminium. It's a case for life, and the refills are both that biodegradable and, and uh, recyclable. Also, when you go to order, you can customize it to your needs. Choose your perfect case and scent combinations. My favorite scent being fresh corn and sea salt. It's also eco-friendly and with all natural ingredients, as well as being vegan and cruelty-free. So what are you waiting for? Go well today with special discount, 40% off your first order for my UK listeners when you use the code DC United Kingdom at checkout. And for my global listeners, save 25%. Go to wearewild.com and use DC United Kingdom at check. Enjoy. Now, back to the show. Let's kick it off with the news. On this week's news, we had, I've mentioned, first uh, week of uh, fixtures, and it was an absolute corker of a week. We finished second in the East overall after all the fixtures have been played, thanks to Inter Miami playing twice in the same opening week. I don't think I've ever really seen that happen before. Interesting. Uh, Inter Miami kicked things off on the Wednesday evening, playing against RSL and then played again at, at the weekend. But, you know, for a brief moment, we were top of the East until Inter Miami played their second game and where they drew against LA Galaxy on the Sunday. So that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, there was only four wins in the East altogether, and that's including the fact that Inter Miami played twice. In the West, Portland Timbers, who are our next opponents, finished top of, the, of their conference and they won 4-1 and somehow only managed to get three shots on target, so they managed to get an own goal, and less than one goal XG. That's just insane. So they had a really good, positive weekend, so very interesting to talk about Portland Timbers later on in the show. But thanks to his performance, Ben Teke was voted Player of the Match Day, and was also named in the Team Week as well, and I'm really excited to talk about that game. Um, other bits of news... Uh, Mahana Jayse was left out at the weekend, 
Rumor, rumors were flying around earlier on this week that he has been shopped around a little bit. And there was rumors that he was going back to Sweden, uh, especially back to his previous club, Hamabi, on loan uh, with a view to a permanent move. Also, AIK were also rumored to be in with a shout for him. But, you know, they've both ruled themselves out. So things are a little bit up in the air at the moment. So we'll see what happens there. But it doesn't look like that Jose is going to be with the club much longer. There's been a season ticket member event being announced recently uh, with Danita Johnson and Ali McKay. So that's, I can't remember when that's happening, but uh, if there is someone in the chat um, who's watching live right now knows it, please mention it in the chat so other people will know in the future. Um, and then the broadcast booth, it was announced at, uh, before the game uh, last weekend that they were naming the broadcast booth at Audi Field after the legendary commentator Dave Johnson. And I could not believe it. I love that. That's They've done something right there um, to do that. I was kind of hoping if they would have a stand named after Dave Johnson. I think that would have been quite nice. But, you know, we'll take a broadcast booth. I think it's quite, quite apt for the situation and the guy. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I don't want to say well done, but thank you to Dave Johnson a true gentleman, a scholar, and an absolute diamond of a guy. So thank you, Dave, for everything that you've brought to the club. Being there right from the get-go, and I will always remember the it's in the nets. Um, it's just a shame that he's not with the MLS Apple TV deal, because I think he would have been fantastic for that. Um, so yeah. There has been a press conference today, uh, including Troy Desain and Christian Benteke, and... One little uh, piece of information I thought was quite interesting that came out of it was um, Troy was asked about the US Open Cup and how he felt about the prospect of DC United potentially not playing in it this season. And I don't know whether you guys have been keeping up with the whole US Open Cup news, but the fact that MLS teams pretty much are not involved uh, this season which to me is completely wrong because of the League Cup. I think I mentioned it in the first episode of, of this season. And I really, really dislike why... Well, I don't think we really know truly why. I think we can all assume the reason why. But the fact that we've got the League's Cup and that's controlled by Major League Soccer and US Open Cup is controlled by US Soccer Federation. And I think that's the reason why MLS don't want to have MLS teams. They can say all as much as they want about fixture congestion and all this jazz but that's down to well you know MLS they've done that that's on them they caused the fixture congestion US Open Cup five six games max you're gonna play in it one maybe two for some teams possibly three but not breaking the entire season to play a little tournament between US MLS teams and Liga MX teams where the Mexican teams don't have any home field advantage really it's yeah I, I really I thought the League's Cup could have been a really good tournament but it just is going worse and worse as weeks go by and things are coming out and it's just like yeah really really dislike it but anyway Troy said um, he and the team absolutely want to participate in the Open Cup, but it's not down to them. It's down to the powers that be, whether the DC United are actually going to play it in this year. And I'm really, really frustrated the fact that 
we still don't know. We've started the season and we still don't know whether MLS te- any MLS teams are going to really be participating this year. So, yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think about it and the whole situation there. But, yeah, that's that's what it's like. That's what we've got. We'll see what happens, eh? We'll see what happens. Um, but that's pretty much it. It's it's only been a week since the last episode. There's not really much that tends to go on on a week by week basis. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna roll the VT for the news, and we're gonna just kick things off into the match review straight afterwards. So I'll see you in a few seconds. So let's talk. Match review, DC United versus New England. Let's take a look at some highlights. Come on, come on, Rev. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Here we go. Decision has been made. Here we go. Yes! Get in there. 1 0. Ben Take with the beautiful header. Leaping like the salmon that he is. Nodding it down in the way that he does it. Beautiful. Smile on the face. Captain fantastic. Look at this. Bring the ball forward towards Strauss. Strauss puts inside. Drives forward. Click to Benteke. Benteke on the edge of the box. Pirani has a go, but it is blocked. Antley. Antley heads it in. Benteke! Get in there! Get in! Yes! Benteke Brace! Now it's click. Turning around, trying to just use up as much time as he possibly can. Herrera wins it back. Beautifully done. Whips that ball in towards Benteke! Hat trick! Gets in! That is 3 1 to DC United. That is game, set, and match. DC United, three points in the bag. First game of the season. Hat trick! Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. What a game that was. And I I still I'm still pinching myself. Myself? Myself over that. It was truly brilliant watching. And yeah, it was fantastic. I loved staying up for that one. Great way to start the season. Did the watch along, uh, which it's going to be interesting to see how we're going to do that this weekend, obviously with the 3.30 kickoff. But um, yeah, fantastic game. Obviously, we had the hat-trick. We had attacking football. We were pressing. It was just... Let's just run through some of these stats because I think that's just going to open up so much to this. 55.3% possession to 44.7. The big one. 31 shots to 10. 31 shots. <laughs> when was the last time we had 31 shots on goal in a single match? Maybe over two, maybe three matches. But I I think possibly when we, potentially when we played Toronto, we won in our 7-1 game. But I, I, I really do not remember the last time we had... 31 shots at goal. It was awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Only five on target, though, which is not particularly great. But then when you look at the next stat, which is how many shots were blocked, 17 attempts were blocked. So 
nine off target, five on target. Still not particularly great, but you know, we had we had a go at it. And there's so many times where we just don't have a go. Um, five goals expected to 0.9. Again, something insane about that. I can't again can't remember the last time we had such a high xG. Really insane. Um, but a lot of that is down. Some of that is down to the fact that New England were down to ten men after 25 minutes. But our experience of this club is. We go 1-0 up. They go down to 10 men. We just shut up shop. We go, come on guys, see what you can do. I ain't coming attackers. But this wasn't the case in this game. It was, we had Vrioni getting booked early on for New England because he decided to delay the restart from a free kick. Silly booking. Shouldn't have done it. It was, it was I was loving the fact that that happened. But then he, gave away another silly free kick and yeah, that was it it was just a sen- yellow card sending off and then we go ten within 10 minutes later we've gone 1-0 up a long long VAR check on this one but I'm happy with the decision because it was the right decision and I take a little bit longer on a VAR check to get the right decision than to stick with an incorrect decision and and make mistakes because that's what VAR is there for is to make sure decisions are done correctly and I do like the way MLS does it compared to other countries around the world is the fact that they tend to get them to check the monitors a lot more than they do in other leagues when you look at England you look at the Premier League and you look at this stud there with the finger in the ear like yeah it's been checked players are shouting them like yeah just 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 hold on hold on yeah yeah okay no, no. Rather than going, you might want to check something. Go to the monitor. Cool. Yeah, fine. Carry on. I like that. That's what we should be aiming for in, in football is the fact that the referees are the ones in charge of the game. VAR should be used to assist them, show them the facts, but allow the referees to still make that decision. Not put the finger in the ear. I go, yeah, we're going to make this decision for you. You've made the wrong decision, so we're going to take over. It's not right. But anyway, so yeah, Benteke Hattrick, as you heard on my little highlight reel there, I went a little bit crazy. It was, I mean, the kickoff is what, it's half 12 in the morning, well, probably 20 to 12, 20 to 1, considering, you know, the delays in kickoff. And it was, like I said, it was brilliant. I had a couple of beers. And I enjoyed myself. Every, you guys out there, if you tuned in, fantastic. It's been watched so many times i'm in shock how many times it's been watched on youtube so if you haven't please do go and check it out it was entertaining i just go for the goals just skip through to the goals don't care just go and check them out it was like i said it was fantastic it was a great watch um from both both parties um it seems in this game and it was interesting to find out how we were going to play because we've not been able to see really anything from preseason, and it was interesting to see what our style of play was going to be, how we were going to attack. There was all this talk about aggression, and it was actually there to see. And we came out from the get go and we were on the front foot, and I was really pleased with how we were going for it. And 
how we wanted to entertain and how we wanted to keep the fu- keep the fans happy and it looked like there was just a lot more joy out there and a lot and as soon as we got that first goal in then there was the confidence and we were like yep let's let's do this um i've written down about some players that that impressed me so things like players like herrera impressed me uh patola impressed um jared stroud impressed me um he his work i think was incredible he was all over the pitch uh missed an absolute sitter um in the coming up towards half time he should have had his first goal for the club on his debut he had a couple of opportunities to get his first goal for the club uh one in the first half one in the second half but again the fact that he got into those up into those areas to score that score those goals i'm not gonna argue it will come and this was the first game and if we were like that in the first game, things will improve. Yes, we're going to come up against some really good teams over the season, like we always do. But I'm happy. They're, I was cautiously optimistic a couple of weeks ago. But now I am opti- actual optimistic. And I'm very happy. I came, went to bed at, what was it, 3.30 in the morning. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing absolutely buzzing it was difficult to go to sleep after that but i was so happy i I didn't go to bed thinking why did i stay up why why did i put myself through that and i went to bed i was like i'm glad i stayed and i'm glad i put myself through that so yeah my last note on it was a fantastic way to open the season pure entertainment and i thoroughly and thoroughly enjoyed it so I'm hoping we get more of these types of match reviews because it was just, like I said, brilliant. Uh, speaking of re- match reviews, do go and check out oh, DCNightKingdom.com and go check out our match previews and match reviews from Richard. Uh, Richard Rolson, he's doing that throughout the season for us and they're a good read, I have to say. They're uh, very good, so go and check them out. I'm not being biased because he's writing, writing for our website but he is good at what he does. That's why he's come and joined us um, in doing these. So please do go and check those out and go and give him some love over on on Twitter, on, on social media. It, he goes by at RJ Rolson. Um, right. We're going to go through our team tactics uh, episodes uh, with uh, the Outer Roses podcast. It, I was joined by Aaron uh, for this week and I got to speak to him yesterday. We went through all sorts um, in this uh I'm not going to say much more. We're just going to go straight into it. So enjoy this and let me know what you think throughout the uh, throughout this uh, segment. Well, welcome to the this week's edition of Tea and Tactics. I'm joined with Aaron from the Outer Roses podcast, who look after all things Portland Timbers. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Now, we were obviously chatting and DMing a little bit, and we actually have... It's something a little bit in common, even though you won't be able to tell by the accent, is yeah. we're both English. Yep. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> by chance, by chance, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you're from, I think you were saying you were from the lovely, lovely, dreary town, if you don't mind me saying, of Sun. Yes. Yes, it's right, yeah. As I usually so tell people, either if you've watched 
the English office, the proper office, or you've flown into Heathrow at a certain time, you know, you might have just gone off my, my grand's house, you know, in the last 30 seconds of your flight, you know, that is slow. Uh, wave at the cooling towers on the trading stage, you know. So, uh... <laughs> yes, I've worked many, many times in Slough for my sins. And it's always a case of you just head down the M4, get off the junction, and then you, you're just there. And it's just like, uh, it's just it's just what it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, no. you know, exactly. I don't know how often you get back over here and got to, you get back over to the UK and go to Slough often. Yeah, I mean, every couple of years, I've been lucky with with what I do, um, you know, professionally. My day job, I'm uh, lead engineering, time and engineer, and so I've gotten been lucky to uh, be able to to go visit family. You know, a lot of the time through work, sometimes you know for personal. So every couple of years, uh, get to uh, get to come on over. So it's good. But yeah, most of my family is all in um, in Berkshire. So you know, most yeah. people are oh. More Windsor than, than <laughs> you're going to um, get them the nice area of Berkshire, aren't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. So Windsor and Reading and whatnot, and some family a little further west out in Bristol. So uh, ah, there's all, all in the south, though. Bristol's now now we're talking. That's what about <laughs> forty five minutes south of me. Now, when you think of the UK, that's probably it's quite a distance. Forty five minute drive in the US. It's down the road. It is, yeah. It's it's. Uh, we're was laughing. Uh, we're hosting exchange student here um, from the Netherlands, trying to explain like the state of Oregon, like you can drive from Astoria down to like kind of like we're in Nevada, like where I guess was be Nevada, Idaho, and Oregon come together. And I think that's a fourteen hour drive to go from from there, you know. And it's uh, that's just one state, you know. But it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a joke that you know people measure um, distances and time of driving out here than they do actual miles so <laughs> it's just crazy yeah I just, I, it always gets me i think when i think of the states i always think my head just always goes oh, it's not that big but then you get there and you're like yeah everything's really far when you have multiple time zones in one country you know you're big yep <laughs> yes so tell me then portland timbers why then is it yeah. just where you ended up moving or is there something else in the background to that? Yeah. So my, my brother, Scott, who also co-hosts um, on the Out of Roses podcast, we both immigrated uh, to America. Uh, my mom's American and she grew up here in Oregon. So we, we came here yeah. uh, and we've, gosh, I, I guess probably for 20 years of my life growing up here, all the way up and through, I got through college, um, lived here. And so we started supporting the Timbers in the mid 2000s when they were in the second division. Yep. You know, back we used to sort of say the Timbers Army was literally just Section 107. It was 107, a little bit of 106 and 108. But, uh, yeah. but um, you know, it was funny because it was at the time, I think we we watched uh, the first Timbers match I went to. Um, they played Sunderland, who were just kind of just got promoted to the Premier League. Oh, wow. So it would have been Mick McCarthy, um, I think John <sighs> instead. Uh, Dean Whitehead, was he in that team? I was just trying to think. Dean White. Yeah, if, if it's that time, yeah, he would have been. Yeah, it was, uh, I'd say it was, it was, it was a miserable match. It was terrible. It was, I think, nil, the highlight, nil, nil draw. And the highlight was like, Portland had a penalty and uh, skied it um, over the bar. It was, it was, it was yeah. horrendous, you know, but, but it was cool because we, you know, we hadn't really seen, we actually sat um, more on the halfway line. And so we, I didn't really know much about the Timbers army at the time. Yeah. Um, it had been a, a team, they, they kind of been reborn um, in the second division in 2001. And yes. so, I would say you're still a lot of the early years, but you know, really, like, oh, that'd be fun to go check out. You know, so later that season, I think my brother went to the first game. Is oh my god, this is absolutely mad! You got to come to this. You know, and so uh, I was in college at the time, and so uh, 
it kind of went from there, you know, friends started going. And so, yeah, we started just standing in the North end, um, you know, having a drink before the match, you know, supporting the boys. And the more we got into it, the more we met people. My Scotty actually met his wife through the Timbers army, which is kind of fun. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, there's things about that. I think it's, it's very cool. I, mean, I would say it's, I think we're lucky I and mean, kind of pride ourselves a bit of like, we've got a very unique supporters culture that makes it really special. Even if the product and the pitch isn't great, you know, I think there's always, you know, um, you know, good community in the stands, you know, and that's, uh, yeah. you say the product on the pitch, it's not always good. Portland <laughs> Timbers are a pretty good team. Come on. Let's be honest. They're, they're pretty consistent and they're usually yeah. they're one of those teams that, you know, will always tend to be in and around the top, at least the top half, if not the top end of the table, aren't they? Yeah, no, that's, I, I would say we've been very lucky. It's been funny the last couple of seasons, you know, we've not made the playoffs, but in general, I would say that really from Caleb Porter came, came to the team, I think it went, things went a different direction, you know, and we'll, we'll mm -hmm. talk more about kind of where the team is going in yeah. kind of one of those crossroads of where the, where the Timbers want to go um, under Phil Neville. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, they're, they're decent. There have definitely been times though, that maybe pull the results out at home and just, it's uh, less than desired kind of um, watching, but you know, it's uh yeah, it's we we've been lucky, relatively speaking, you know, because I can also think about when we used to play. Um, uh, there were still parts of a baseball diamond in the second division, and you know, about forty degrees Fahrenheit, you know, just um, sideways rain, you know, and just it's just long ball, and it was just hard to watch. I'm like, well, I love those days sometimes. There are times where I'm like, uh, well, it's a bit better than that. <laughs> I'm just going to drop in there. Forty degrees Fahrenheit is around about three, four degrees Celsius. Yes. Yeah. I've got to throw that one in there just for just for the uh the, the those who uh measure the weather properly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh I, sorry, I have to uh, get that little bit of banter in there. Oh all good. All good. Um so Providence Park, fantastic stadium. Um I I mean I all I think when I think of Portland Timbers, I think of great stadiums, great jerseys, and uh, and good football at the end of the day. So Providence Park, you said about the North End, they usually have great TIFOs as well. Um, yes. Talk to me about, the, is there much history behind the TIFOs? Has that always been a thing at Providence Park? Or is that something that's been relatively new? I would say at the end of the USL era, there's always been a lot of two sticks. That's been very common. Um, yeah. I was through, through I, I can remember. Um, I think probably, I, I think one of our early TIFOs that was, um, famous, I would say, has got to be when we played Seattle. Their first year in the MLS, we were still in the second division, and we had Timber Jim cutting down the Space Needle, which was, you know, on low budget and whatnot, was 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 clever and great. Um, I remember we played a match. Um, it was, I want to say, it was like a one or one thirty kickoff, and it just happened to be that uh, we played against Montreal Impact when they obviously were mm -hmm. still in the second division. But uh, remember that it was. Um, uh, just sun glaring in the eyes, you know, like everyone had sunglasses or just like this, you know, for the the whole match. And uh, I just remember we did, we did always look on the brighter side of life it was like an early TFO, just like, like we're going to have, we're here to support our team, but boy, oh boy, this is really hard. You know, this is you know, 90 minutes of squinting, you know, it was, uh, it was rough, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, but no, it definitely TFO is a thing. And I was going to ask, have you ever gotten the chance to come out to Providence Park out to Portland at all or? No, I haven't, uh, unfortunately. So my history of going to matches in uh, in the States is I've only been to Audi Field. Okay. Um, I was looking to, when I first came to the States, looking at going to Orlando because that was my first family 
final trip to the States was in Orlando, uh, but rather than going to an Orlando City match, DC United were playing at home. So uh, me and my wife took a uh, little uh, trip up to DC and left my uh, my side of the family back in Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) Like we get your prayer. And it was my dad's birthday as well. Oh boy. oh boy, he was all right with it. He was fine. He was like, "You, you've got. I know you've got to do it." So we did it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say you've seen about Providence Park. Yeah, anyone that wants to come out and you know come visit one, I, I think it's a very. Uh, um, I mean, I'm going to you know, to your own horn. I think it's a very European feeling stadium, and I was actually was yeah. went on a. It was a visiting fan on on our Reddit um, subreddit for the Timbers this week was saying about you know kind of places to eat and whatnot. One of my wrecks was, was like you know go to Northwest Portland up 21st. And I think it was one of my favorite bits is, you know, it is a neighborhood and you come around the corner and you just yeah. see kind of the stadium at the end of the road. And it, it, it's not like a lot of, I would say American stadiums where you've got big parking lot, you know, it, it's very, very different, very intimate, you know, feel that's yeah. um, a lot of fun and very cool. It's a very unique atmosphere. I mean, it's an old stadium. It's almost going to be, I think some of it, I think, well, it's 90, eight years old, 1926, I think is when the stadium wow. got So we've got a few, a lot of renovation that's happened in the years, you know, but it's, uh, but it's a stadium with a lot of history and they played, they played football there. I well, want to say from the late 1800s, you know, so it's been athletic fields for a long, long time. So. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of people, especially on this side of the pond, won't realize actually there is a lot of history in football, um, in the United States, you look how long the US Open Cup's been going for. Yeah, it's just like wow, that's it, it, I know, 130 years. I want to say or something deaf like that for the US Open Cup. I have to, I have to check on that. It's definitely over. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. for sure. But yeah, and yeah. When I when I first saw that, I was it it blew my mind. Actually, there is a lot more to US soccer history than there is than what people realize. So it is brilliant. Um, but going back to uh, visiting uh, Providence Park, I know when you guys played NYCFC in the MLS Cup final, um, there was a guy, one, someone I actually know who's a, who runs the UK NYCFC account, actually visited Portland, um, got the ticket like the weekend before the game, oh, wow. after the, the final. And yeah, flew out and was actually there with um the nycfc owners oh wow he wow. was actually yeah he got the full works and actually met with the team held the mls cup and not to rub that okay. one in or anything like that but yeah. yeah he was given the full works the full treatment and and he absolutely loved the stadium as well so Cool. When I say good things, I generally mean really good things about uh, Poland. So, good. absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh, so, let's look back um, for you anyway. Who's your favorite Portland player? Probably of, of, of all time, I would say uh, for me, it's got to be Diego Valeri. I thought was, you know, just a you know phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I think probably outside of Portland, people in real, I mean, incredible player, um, you know, great playmaker. Uh, I mean, he's got to be one of just a couple of people that technically was an attacking midfielder that won 100 goals, 100 assists in his career in the MLS. Yeah. Um, you know, phenomenal talent. And kept in, kept, you know, he came in the prime of his career, but he really played, you know, like Diego Chara now, you know, really played, you know, through the latter stage of his career and had to adapt his game, but just um, yeah. incredible talent, but also a great human being. You know, we talked yeah. a big thing about, you know, kind of supporters culture here about community. I know when he got named, uh, MVP, I think the story goes is that he volunteered for like a, 
like a like a library kind of like maintenance thing or something like that. And he just kind of went on. He's oh, I'm gonna be MVP, but I've got this engagement, so I'm gonna go and do this. And just he just went back, went on about his life, you know, and kind of did like a like a. I think it would have been with our uh, with the 107 as supporters trust that it was a volunteer event that he did. And he did his volunteer time just as he would have done. Which I mean, obviously, you know, he's just that sort of very humble, um, you know. Uh, great human being just very very nice guy you know and so it's you know the people like to, i think for me i mean great player but just you know just adds just that little bit of extra um specialness i think to you know just a great you know a better human being if you will than just the player on the pitch that's that's a really special story that that's that is awesome the fact that he's just gone and just carried on doing his his thing is like yeah i've won this award but meh whatever it's just yeah just that Speaks volumes about the guy, yeah. Definitely, definitely. So, who in Portland right now is the player to look out for? I know I was looking at and researching a little bit about Portland and their current squad. And actually, you've only got a single uh, designated player. Yeah, and who didn't which... even play last last weekend? Um, pulled up um, was was going to be day to day, which is which is kind of wild. It's a little bit of I think looking at this game. There's there's just so many question marks about how the how the team's going to look out um, and how things are going to look whatnot. Cause I yeah. last season was strange in the way that we had, um, we did have three DPs, but we had Sebastian Blanco that just had his injury. Really. I was actually in that, in that run up to the, to the cup final that just, he's never, he was never the same after that. Jimmy yeah. Chara that, you know, it was cool to have the, the, you know, brother Chara brothers play, you know, together. But I would say that, you know, really did a lot of good things, but it was really hard. I would say in some ways to live up to that, that, uh, that DP title, you know, and so and didn't have a lot of injuries last season. And so in a way it's almost like we played with really one DP last year and Evander, our lone yeah. DP really took him a while. I would say to start to find his feet. Um, so for me on that, I would say, and this is a little bit based out of last week. I think if I had to pick one player, um, actually I believe is former youth player of uh, DC United, Eric Williamson. Um, yes. I think, uh, um, yeah. which is also, it's weird thing of how we purchased the, the homegrown rights. And I think it was the first ever in the league, which, uh, that's for another, another day and a whole other topic yeah. of how that played out. But, uh, um, but I, we missed Eric Williams. We've missed him a lot last couple of seasons. And there's the great kind of story for him of getting that first goal, his first goal. And I think one over a thousand days. Um, but there's what I think the Timbers live talking about that product on the pitch, for me, I feel like what the Timbers have lacked a lot is a good off the ball movement, a lot of vision. You know, it's just times under either it's coaching, either it's the players, you know, that in the past they would have relied on a Valeri or a Blanco mm -hmm. to be able to kind of be that spark and kind of get movement off the ball. Without yeah. that, they've looked very kind of stagnant and flat. And I felt last week, you know, we really saw that from Eric Williamson and that first goal in particular of that he actually spots it's not a great ball in to hit. Um, uh, Juan David Mascara puts it behind, I think, Espria. And you actually yeah. can see that Williamson has that vision to really run onto that and go on his weak foot top corner. Uh, just little things that like he played more of the in the 10. I think I used to like him in the eight personally. But uh, yeah. uh, but for me, Eric Williamson, I think, you know, is is a player to watch. My other two, if I can pick a couple of others, I would say. Go for it, uh, yeah. Uh, Santiago Moreno, I'm a massive fan of. Um, yeah. You know, good playmaker. Um, and you know, for people and maybe cause it's, you guys are in the Eastern conference and, you know, for me, model number six, Diego Chara, maybe not the flashiest stuff, but you know, for my opinion, the best six that's played in the MLS, 
Um, you know, I think he's one of those guys. If he plays for your team, you love him. If you play against him, you hate him. <laughs> you know, but yes, yeah, but, yeah. But I will say, I think in terms of um, you know a you know if you've got younger kids that are going to watch and whatnot, a good model kind of number six professional does a lot of kind of like the untidy stuff. Takes up the yellow as he is, but tackles hard, but also great distribution, incredible yeah. work rate. You know, now in his, his mid to late thirties, you know that uh, uh, you know definitely a model professional in that respect. Um, yeah. So, yeah, special special notice in those two. But uh, and Evander coming back, it's hard to say how much if he's going to get a lot of time on the pitch yeah. and what that's going to look like. It's a big question for us in Portland. Is that uh, a little slower? You know, really you showed a little slow last year. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, we'll see how it's going to work under Phil Neville. Yeah, that's something I was just going to actually come on to. So you've got Phil Neville as your head coach, which shivers my timbers. <laughs> Nice. Sorry, I've got to get a pun in there as well. Um, <laughs> being a dad, you've got to get the puns and the dad jokes in there. That's right. Really. Um, but yeah, what has it been like? Obviously, you've had just a single game under Phil Neville, but you've also had the off-season as well. What is that like under Phil Neville compared to previous management? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I think we're still trying to figure that out. You know, I think yeah. the, the, you know, I would say that um, you know, I think about, you know, this is a real crossroads of what this Timbers team wants to be right now. And it's, um, it's Gio Savarese, the Gio teams I felt were really good counterattacking teams. And it always felt, it's interesting, his style, it seemed like sometimes he'd come out of the locker room and just tactically got it wrong and would just make it work with the pieces he had on the pitch. Yeah. The complete opposite to Caleb Porter that always had a strong game plan and stuck to the game plan, no matter how good or bad it was very different styles. And, but I would say under Geo that we talked about kind of that stagnation, you know, and kind of that slowness and kind of the build up and just, you know, not doing a lot with the ball unless you're going to attack from deep and kind of stretch a team. Phil Neville yeah. is like we a lot quicker passing. I noticed like okay. a lot more taking one less touch, shooting a little more. So I think we're going to see maybe not more, I guess a bit more directness, but it felt even the motion off the ball that we would attack as a single unit. And it felt like, you know, but with a bit more purpose than I would say under Gio over the last couple of seasons. So, um, but, but it's, it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to say, you know, we're, um, uh, we didn't, we got to see one preseason game. Um, you know, we, you, you got to see a preseason game. We got one, we got one. Yeah. And that's just cause NYCFC was, was, I know we're, we're, we're the lucky uh, few. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think the other thing too, I think is the, just this tactical fluidity, you know, when I was saying about Gio would kind of make things work and whatnot. I know that's Neville yeah. said about, you know, he's really kind of said the importance of playing, you know, we've looked at been lined out as a back three a little bit already um, in at least that one preseason game. I know in training that that's been kind of touted, you know, but all, you know, we, we lined out on Saturday and played a four, two, three, one. Um, and yeah. Uh, it, it worked, uh, worked quite well, you know, and the, yeah. the team looked, I mean, good result. I mean, it was probably can talk more about kind of how Colorado treated the game and, you know, being there <laughs> in the North end, it was, it was interesting at 13 minutes. They actually had a, in that second goal. They actually had a team huddle. Like that's how bad it was like, Oh my God, like this is, what? This is not good. Because we, we actually expected, we were like, we're going to be happy to draw. Like we're like, yeah, we're things out. We didn't get, um, our, you know, our DP number nine and then Felipe Mora, our starting, Number nine was out injured, so we played Tyron Espria as kind of a makeshift <laughs> nine. Um, Noah Vander, uh, Crapo also didn't play. You know, we had missing about four or five starters in that match, and so yeah, and was one thing, but um, yeah, it was uh, uh, 
in, interesting to say the least. So yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I think we're still figuring it out with fulfilled level, but I'm expecting it to be. I don't think it's going to be quite the same result. Uh, uh, you know, as things played out, we'll kind of get there when we get there. But uh, yeah, I think um, uh, we're we're all still figuring that out here in Portland as well. What it's going to yeah. look like. Yeah, it's it's one of those weird things. Is we had obviously last week we were playing New England, who has Caleb Potter as a new head coach and. They were going through a new style of play. Granted, they played midweek as well, so they were coming off the back of that. But you know, we still obviously got a fantastic win, so we were just loving it. It was insane. It's the most entertaining DC United match I've watched in a heck of a long time. So we were very happy, and with the fact and I was just looking back on our stats from the game of the weekend, we had thirty-one shots. <laughs> I don't think we had 31 shots in the entirety of last season. <laughs> it felt like it was just mad. But so yeah, so I think this weekend is going to be just one of those, another one of those games where nobody really knows what's going to happen. It's our first game between the two sides for four and a half years. The last time was 20, September 2019. Yep. This is the thing about MLS: the fact that we've got these two conferences who've got many teams between in each conference the fact that you're not going to play every team every season which i i'm not a massive fan of i want to play every single team because that's that's how likewise, we do it. likewise i mean i know i know it's gonna it's harder with all the conferences but just classic home and away you know that would yeah. be nice. i don't even mind playing every team in the other conference just like once and alternate like it has been but we need to play every single team that's how you know who the best team in the league is isn't it Agreed completely. Boy, yeah, we, we could talk all about kind of the, the schedule, playoff rules, oh. and probably have its own podcast. But uh. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be its whole entire season um, <laughs> for just that little subject on its own. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a bit difficult to think about who's going to be playing this weekend. Usually, we get availability reports. Usually, on a Thursday, we're recording this on the Wednesday. Um, but I, I want to go for a prediction for the weekend. Um, any idea? <laughs> because I yeah, don't. <laughs> gosh, I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say two ball draw. Yeah. Um, I think Benteke continues his fine scoring form, gets a brace against us. I was going to say it's the one thing I think had we not been up, I think it'll be a very different game this uh, weekend coming up because uh, yeah. uh, looking at uh, how we 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 actually could have conceded. A, a few times. In fact, I think at one point we were when we we're winning four 0 Colorado actually had better expected goals than us at one point. Believe it or not, like that was actually wow. watching watching the replay on a like you know a couple, couple days later, and actually yeah, you know, I was like, you know, obviously a few beers less as well than Stan helps. Yes, but uh, but uh, but you're like, man, this 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 act this game could have played out very differently. I would say a bit soft in the back, um, yeah. but I will say this team. I think you know, I think it's kind of cool. Um, Phil Neville's made a real big point since he's been in Portland, you know, of wants to have make the fans happy. He's made a real big thing. I really feel he looks his validation is really within the Timbers army of like how good, okay. which is kind of cool. I think that at least that's in, in the press, how I feel like it's getting kind of taken. But uh, um, so I think we're going to be very attacking. Um, I do think we'll get a goal. You know, we're going to score at least once. So I think two old draw, Ben Teke with a brace, and I would say for Portland. Say Kamal Miller off a set piece and 
Uh, we'll go Eric Williamson again with another goal. I'm saying this, he probably doesn't start. Pulls up injured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could all change by, by Friday. Yep. It could all change. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with a 2 all draw, to be, to be honest, as well. I think, as I've just mentioned, it's been a while since we've played, played the Timbers. Um, and, yeah, Ben Take looked really good at the weekend. Uh, we could have had, as I've mentioned, 31 shots. We could have had a hatful more as well. Um, our expected goals from the weekend was five. And again, it's just, it just surprises me. So I, I, I'm waiting for the bringing back down to earth moment. Uh, so yeah, a two-hour draw would be good. And I do think we would, if we're going to concede, it will probably be off a set piece. Yes, we've got Penteke, who's massive, but our sort of height in defence, we've lost Birnbaum's uh, out injured. Uh, Donovan Pines is currently playing for Barnsley now. Um, and he's doing well over there, which is nice to see. Um, those were our two sort of big, big centre-halves. We, we don't have Brendan Hines-Eich anymore. We don't have Den Derek Williams anymore. So, yeah, so we've lost a lot of height. McVeigh and Bartlett aren't the, the tallest of defenders. So, yeah, if we're going to concede, it will most likely be offset base but you know yeah two or draw i'd be very happy with that to say the least before we wrap things up it is team tactics so i've got to ask what is your favorite formation cool favorite formation i'd have to say for me four i like a four three three um oh. i never played at real high level but i've always yeah. i played um always grew up playing with them um, with both feet so I'm right-footed, but good with my left. And so I was played as an inverted left winger before that was really a thing in like yeah. the late 90s. You, you, so. set the, you set the trend then, is that yes. what you're saying? Trend, yeah. trend setting up here in the, in the Pacific yeah. Northwest, yes. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 for me, I like a 4-3-3. A, a four, three, three. I've always liked having good wide flanking players, particularly if they can kind of come in um, yeah. invert a little bit. Um, I would even say with this Timbers team, I think that's what you're going to see a lot. Um, okay. Vander really plays more... He, it was interesting. He was brought in as to be um, the new number 10 and first game of the season last year. And it was kind of telling of like, boy, he did not look comfortable doing that. He likes to drift a little left. It, he's not your traditional kind of box to box uh, midfielder. Just he, he's amazingly skillful, but he does pick up the ball and work from deep spaces. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, I just think for that said, you know, for me, um, the tactical flexibility of that middle three, as well as being able to kind of collapse that into like a five, four, one, I think of the, uh, probably not like saying this, but you know, for me, like but the classic, like Mourinho days of Chelsea, like oh, no. would, would do that. Right. You know, not Off just the bus. the bus, not just, yeah. But even, <laughs> but even just like when you had, when you had, you know, you, you could play it defensively as a four, five, one, and you'd have McAuley yeah. with the, with the McAuley roles, the six, but yeah. attacking though, I mean, with, with, um, uh, you know, then Arjen Robin and uh, Damian Duff flanking wingers. Oh, Damian Duff, no, that's a callback right there. Yeah, yeah, love me Duffy. Yeah, um, he was a quality player. Yeah, but yeah, it was, so for me, four three three. I mean, probably no, soft, soft second would be a four two three one, just for that uh, defensive stability and flexibility of pulling those, you know, dual pivot sixes. They can kind of cover the, you know, your full backs if they get forward. So, yeah, no, that's fair. I think everyone who listens to this podcast will know what my favorite formation is. And it is the classic four, four, two. two. <laughs> Mike Bassett, England manager, proper style. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, no, um, thank you very much for 
I know we've got a bit of a time zone difference. Uh, there is that full eight hours difference between us at the moment. So I do appreciate you taking the time out of your normal day to come and do this with me. Um, let me get the fans to uh, start following you. So where can they find you? Yeah, so, uh, so Adder Rose's podcast. You can find us on Spotify or whatever your podcatcher is. You can also follow us on Twitter um, at Outer Roses. Um, and uh, yeah, we do have a website. We don't put a lot of content on there right now. We were trying to put some this year. We always say this: this season is going to be different. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We're we're. Yeah. Uh, I think between uh, myself, um, Scott, and Matt, we're we're both we're all three of us busy professionals and. Um, I'm the only one that's got two kids, but, uh, but, you know, busy nonetheless, you know, and so, uh, but yeah, you can definitely find us, um, you know, um, on Spotify for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, check us out and follow us on Twitter. Um, you know, usually have a bit of banter, you know, we'll do, you know, pre, you know, pregame predictions and whatnot. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, fantastic. Thank you very much for, for joining. And I'm sure that we'll have a great game this weekend as well. So thank you very yeah. much. And, uh, yeah. We might have a little bit of a chat over the weekend. You never know. If, I'm, if I'm up at half three in the morning, we'll see. <laughs> Boy, that is brave. That is brave. But no, thank you very much for having me. This is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, one of these days, you know, when we we're, it's not four and a half years apart. Uh, yeah, yeah, love to be out here in Portland. It'd be a yeah. be a, it'd be a weekend if if it is. You know, it's uh... <laughs> definitely. I I want, I want to get to as many many stadiums as I possibly can. It's one of those things I would love to do. So yeah, let's do it. So yeah, that was a really good chat there with uh, Aaron from Out Roses podcast. Very insightful into a little bit of history about Portland Timbers, the TFOs, and all that jazz. So yeah, thank you, Aaron. If you're if you're watching or listening, appreciate you coming on and joining the podcast for us for this week. Uh, right. So as you might might have heard there, predictions and things like that. I've had a little bit of a bit of a think further in the last sort of 24 hours since we did that uh interview and i want to i want to change from 2-2 because you know i would be a little bit disappointed if we did draw and i want us to win i want us to keep that momentum so again because it's so early on we don't the only thing that we've heard since then since the press conference happened today um as we're doing this live and recording is that we have a potentially a couple of players back from injury. Uh, that decision will be made later on. We've not heard who it, who that's going to be, but that's what we're hearing is that there will be a couple of extra players available to us. So that's always good. So again, early on in the season, Troy's a new manager for DC United. Phil Neville is a new manager for Portland Timbers. Again, it's one of those situations about who the heck knows what's going to happen at this weekend. So I'm just going to repeat my prediction from last weekend and and hope we. I'm going with the heart rather than the head, and I'm going to go for another two and a win. Uh, fingers crossed, we get the clean sheet. We deserved. Well, Bono deserved to get a clean sheet. He was fantastic against New England Revolution, and the goal that Carlos Hill scored was just a bit of a wonder goal, really. So you know, you can't. You can't Nobody's going to save that. It was top draw, that goal. So, Otherwise, he did really well. We're going to move on to answering your questions now. Uh, so, you, as always, I send out the tweets. I send out the Instagram stories asking for your thoughts and questions from the previous week. And we got a good response in for this week's episode. So, 
I'm going to start going through some of the responses that we had. Um, and the first one was from TPED12. And he says, Benteke looks great. Who spells him? Is it Morel? So I'm assuming by saying who spells him is who comes in for him when, he got, when he's out injured or anything. And looking at our roster, looking who we've got available, I think it would be Morel in terms of style as well. He's quite a big... He's a fairly big guy, a bit of an unknown, but you know, I looking at the goal that he scored in preseason and some of the goals he scored uh, in previous clubs. I think he's going to be. I think he would be the the key guy to uh, come in and you know relieve Benteke of a bit of pressure, shall we say? Until we see him actually on the pitch and playing against MLS level players. It's a very much an unknown. But yeah, it would be him. I don't see Dahomey or Fletcher or anyone like that replacing Benteke because they're not out and out strikers as such. Morel is that kind of player. So for me, in our current roster, that's who would replace uh, Benteke if he's out for whatever reason. But also, it's the one position I would like to see extra depth in uh, going into the summer as well. So I would like to see another out-and-out striker at the club to give us that depth and a bit of competition there as well. Buzzer Beat uh, has come in and asked, what are some things you think we could improve on ahead of the Timbers match? So for me, one of those big things, and Troy mentioned it in the uh, press conference was things like our decision when we were on the decision making when we were on the, on the ball. It wasn't always on point, and you saw that. Yes, we had thirty-one on shots on goal. And it was great to see that we were having so many attempts at goal. But sometimes, did we need to have that attempt on goal? Could we have looked for the, potentially an extra pass to create an even better opportunity? Because there were a lot of blocked shots and. When you've got that amount of blocked attempts, did we really make the right decision to have a go at goal? So it's getting that fine balance. That will come with time and chemistry and as the players get to know each other, we'll get there and we'll say our shot ratio will go down, but the level and clear cut chances created will be increased. So I'm sure we'll be all right with that one. Otherwise, I did think the centre-back pairing of Bartlett and McVeigh, whilst in its infancy, looked okay, but it was a little bit, uh, a bit of a scary moment a few times. And left-back Pedro Santos, yes, he got the assist, and great that he did, but he was caught out a couple of times, and he almost gave away a penalty as well. Well, let's not forget that. That scared me a little bit. So for me, that was also one of those key things that we need to improve on. Hopefully we'll have someone back there to either A, cover for him, or B, start in front of him. and Because he's he's getting on. Got to remember that. He's getting on. He's getting old. He's not, not the quickest of players. And left back, you need to be having the stamina, having that pace to get up and down the pitch as well. So we've got to remember that. Uh, Kim, uh, Kim Kolb has come in and said, what player opened your eyes or exceeded expectations? Love the general energy and tone of the team. Excited to see how it progresses. 
So the player that opened my eyes or exceeded expectations, I think, was Jared Stroud. Um, I spoke to Designated Players podcast and they mentioned that Jared Stroud could be that player that will be surprising. Um, And I was pleasantly surprised. Yes, as I mentioned previously, he missed a clear-cut opportunity or two. But, you know, he got into those positions and he's all over the pitch. The work ethic and the effort was second to none. So I'm very happy with that. But also, Beltola was really good. Very happy with his performance. And some of the uh, tackles that he was putting in were great, especially against Carlos Hill, where he's just using his strength to get him off the ball. I noticed that towards the end of the match and where he Hill just retaliated with just kicking at him. And when you get to that level and you're getting players to retaliate, that's you know you're doing something right. So fair play to that. And also Herrera as well. I knew he was going to be good, but he was good. Um, it was just nice. He was just hoofing the ball away when it was needed, getting some great tackles in there, looked good, got the assist. Yeah. Did everything right in my books for that as well. Moving on to I Spy Brian, uh, who's hopefully going to be doing some videography stuff uh, for moving forward uh, at the home games. Asked a number of questions, so I'm really happy to see this. So, play to watch this season. I think it's going to be Stroud. Um, you might hear me actually praising him quite a bit. I think it will be Stroud, or it'll be Paltola. Um, or we're, we're all going to say Ted Pietro as well. He's going to be in and around the mix. He's gonna. There's a lot of hype behind him. Hopefully we're not overhyping, but I think I think those three players are going to be the players to watch. I know if you asked for a player, but I can't just say one uh, when it comes to comes to that kind of question. Your next question was, will Bono be starting goalkeeper once Miller is fit? I want him to be. I've been a lot happier with Bono in goal. I think... The stats speak for themselves. Um, Last season, nine clean sheets and what, 15 or 16 games. It's a very good record, to say the least. He played incredibly well at the weekend. If he continues in that vein of form, there's no reason why Miller would come in and replace him. Bono needs to stay there, and I think he's doing everything he can to be that player and that keeper that we need in between sticks so for me yes i want him in there will he stay once he's fit once miller's back that's down to troy but i think a lot of fans will be a little bit annoyed if he comes in and miller comes if miller's fit and he comes back in and bono's relegated to the bench because you know bono deserves it i think he's found what he's been looking for at dc united thoughts on the new pair of center backs for the first game okay um weren't massively tested a couple of shaky moments Bartlett was pretty decent he got the ball away McVeigh pretty decent on the ball not bad passer um but yeah I can't say too much because yeah they weren't really tested an awful lot and didn't help the well it helped us in the end, but didn't help the fact that they had their main striker sent off and 
they didn't really replace him with another striker. So, yeah, I think I can't be too opinionated on this until until we see a full 90 minutes of them two at the back where they've been tested a little bit and actually will they step up and respond to those tests. And then you also mentioned that uh, you thought that the best play, player on the field was Matty Patola. Um, again, I think we had a number of really good players on the field at the weekend and I don't think we can really really say too much who was the best obviously Benteke got the hat-trick Herrera got an assist Patola was all over the pitch getting the doing the dirty work getting the grunt work done Stroud uh, all over the pitch getting in the right positions to potentially get a goal yeah I think a lot of players impressed a few players not so much but yeah there's always room for improvement with these things but I'm happy with uh with uh, having Matty Patola as one of the better players on the pitch for sure uh, Jesse Leifer has come in and asked, "What did uh, what did I think of Pirani's performance? Not not particularly great. I think he got himself about, but he didn't shine. Um, like I, I think a lot of us are hoping, starting off on the left and being sort of an inverted winger. Is that his best position? I'm not so sure, but you know, we'll see how we get on." Does he need to play a little bit narrower? Maybe. Because he is right-footed and he tends to cut in. He was cutting in a lot. We'll see. We'll see how he gets on, whether he dabs to being out on the left or not. But, yeah, I thought it's probably a 6.5 out of 10 uh, Pirani's performance. Maybe he's 6.87 at a push. And then... Last question over on Twitter was from David, who's a DC UK member. Please come and join us if you want to join in the chats and everything. Uh, com forward slash membership. It's free, but you can also support everything we do by becoming a paid member as well. Um, David asked, do you think Pedro Santos is fast and sharp enough to be our starting left back? No. Um... I was surprised to see him there against the Revs and fear the worst against Portland. Wonder if I see an option, different option though. Who would that be? Um, he's not a regular starter by any stretch of the imagination, Pedro. But then obviously the the talk about Jay leaving and all that. It does raise a few questions about who would be playing at left back and whether do we. Once we have offloaded Jayze, whether we bring a new left back in or what happens there is up for debate. But as a regular, Pedro Santos, I wouldn't want him starting every game. So, yeah. Fast enough? No. Sharp enough? He's got a bit of brain about him. He's got a bit of uh, intelligence. But... Is that enough to be a regular starter? I don't think so. You need a bit of everything. And we saw that again in the sort of the first five minutes of the second half. Him being caught out, pushing up too far, being tackled, a bit actually passing it and giving the ball away, being caught out, and then almost giving away a penalty. We need to make sure that doesn't happen. And I yeah, I just don't think just don't think Pedro is our starting left back moving forward. But yeah. That's pretty much it for this week's episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed the team tactics returning. 
Uh, hopefully we'll have another episode next week of Team Tactics and we'll have another great match review and another great preview for the following weekend's game. But yeah, like I said, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please make sure you do subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast, uh, whether that's on YouTube or on your favorite podcast provider. If you are listening to the podcast audio, please go and leave a rating. And if you're on one of those that allows a review, please leave a review. Um, it'd be nice to uh, read some good comments and read some feedback as well. But yeah, that is it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will uh, always end the episode with, as always, until next time, Farmwash United. <laughs>